Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about Stronger Than Love, Más Fuerte Que El Amor, a Mexican-Cuban co-production filmed in Cuba from 1955 that is playing on Mubi under the rubric of Spectacle Every Day, the many seasons of Mexican popular cinema. So, Richard, what did you think of Stronger Than Love? Really interesting. As well as being a Mexican-Cuban co-production, it's actually an Argentinian director. So the kind of real pan-Latin American collaboration, really, which is very interesting. It's one of the things that I find most interesting about it. So the director is Argentinian. It's filmed in Cuba. It's a Cuban-Mexican co-production. The leading man is one of the Spanish huge stars of that period. And the female star, uh, Miroslava, is a Mexican whose parents were Czech refugees from World oh, War really? II. Yes, which, you know, it explains her look and her eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, she's got that Slavic look. People tend to think that international co-productions are an American thing of the 50s. They rarely think of them as taking place elsewhere. So, you know, there's a whole... Uh, Hispanic cinema composed of, you know, so Mexico, Spain, and Argentina are the, the great industries of the period. Uh, but, you know, most other countries also kind of made films. And well, we, we found this with some of the Egyptian films we looked at. That's previously. right. Egyptian films made in Algeria or Algerian films with an Egyptian director or Lebanese director. One of the reasons that Stronger Than Love is so interesting is because it's a kind of a key exemplar of a popular type of dominant cinema that's contemporaneous with 1950s American cinema, but that they rarely intersect, that circulates in a completely different sphere, you know, but that has its own star system, its own distribution modes, its own, you know, production arrangements, its own studio facilities. So I think this is kind of a fascinating case study because I was thinking, and I don't know if you agree, but I was thinking it's not a great work of cinema. Yeah, like No, no, it's not quite Mexican popular cinema, but you know, it's Latin American popular cinema. It's being made to entertain. It's a you know, fairly lurid melodrama. It's very entertaining. It's more interesting for what it represents than for the than film. For what it is. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But that raises its own kind of interesting questions, right? Because some of the tropes of this cinema and American cinema are quite similar. You know, this is quite a journeyman affair. It's very well done, but it's kind of journeyman cinema. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. skilled, basically, but kind of no more than that. And yet, you know, within an argument of the skills, you realize it's still a highly symbolic cinema. Yeah. So, you know, you have that whole thing with the horse, you know, and then kind of the image of the horse and then the taming of the woman, you know, and then you have that whole dance, which is really quite extraordinary in comparison to, you know, what's uh, possible in America. You know, so it again symbolizes this woman who's possessed by the spirit and, you know, I forget what the thing is, and then she tries to shake it off, but dies in the river or something. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you see that kind of played out in terms of, like, the, the Miroslova character, the female yeah, protagonist, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's a highly condensed cinema. It's a cinema that symbolizes where things stand in for something else. 
also within it being a popular melodrama about a love affair, it has very interesting things to say about class and work and, of course, patriarchy and marriage and, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not a film that's about... I mean, I don't think any film is about nothing because even when it, all it wants to do is entertain, it's always conveying something else through the way that it's entertaining, right? But this actually does have themes of class they're completely woven through. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, it reminded me a little bit of those early Shaheen films, like the, you know, the melodramas with Omar Sharif and Fatin Hamama, who could, yeah, you could see this being an Egyptian film with Omar Sharif and Fatin Hamama as those two characters, you know, yes. the kind of peasants versus the landowners and all of this stuff and the, and the dance, song and dance sequences as well. There's a lot of similarities there, I think. Yes. Um, so why don't you tell us the plot a little bit? We're in Cuba. There's a a rich, well, kind of formally rich landowner who's the traditional landowner. The plot sets up him and his daughter and the daughter's lover versus this kind of nouveau riche guy who was formerly a peasant and through some kind of slightly complicated plot, which I didn't quite grasp about loans, he's ended up with more money than the former landowner. So he, he effectively... They co-own this company. The the former peasant is working the land. The former landowner is running the factory. And this is kind of battle between the two of them. The landowner is kind of trying to scam the former peasant in order to, you know, get his status back. But the former peasant is wiser than that. And he's kind of actually has got his contingency plans. So he stays out on top. And at the start of the film, the peasant former peasant meets barbara the beautiful yet fiery daughter of the landowner um, and they have a big row and you know if you've ever seen a film before you won't be surprised by what happens Um, but it's effectively you know this this is the source of the drama it's the it's the landowner versus the peasant and then the, the, the battle for the money and the battle for the woman but correct me if i'm wrong because it gets played out in very interesting ways so in this film all of the upper class people are scoundrels. They're all yeah. people who gamble, who um, who don't care, who mistreat the peasants, who treat them as if they're not human, right? Like one of the first lines in the film with Jorge Mistral saying, no, old people and children now have to go do something else. You can't just force them to work, right, like this. Completely out of tune with humanity in a way, and all they do is go abroad and gamble away the money they make at home, right? And what I thought was interesting is that the coming together of this peasant who's knowledgeable, skilled, hardworking, who saved the money so they could buy the land, yeah, from the landowner, yeah, saving their assets constantly from their gambling debts. That's how they acquired the factory. That those two classes, in a way, come together: the hardworking, kind of knowledgeable man of the people. Right, and then the upper class woman who's been a spoiled brat throughout until she learns. We'll talk about that learning later. (laughs) That's a big problem in the film. But I thought it was interesting in that the way that it would get played out in America, it would be purely in monetary terms: someone with money, someone without money. Uh, In England, I kind of I can't even remember in literature. I mean, it's such a taboo the classes conjoining in any way. I can't imagine, 
you know, a kind of a, a peasant and a, a marrying an aristocrat in any thing. I don't know. Maybe it's you like Tessa de D'Urbervilles and that kind of thing. It's not quite but the same. But, no, you know, it's, it's not. It's importantly thing. different. Yeah. Right? Like a, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's not a question of having sex because, of course, sex, sex between the classes mm. in, in British culture, it's almost a fetish. Right? Wuthering like, Heights. Yes. I think that's the that's the one I would think of. You know, Heathcliff, Heathcliff effectively marries into the aristocracy. Yes. Um, and it doesn't go well, but that but that's effectively what drives that plot. Yes, it's what drives the plot to an unhappy ending, and it's still rare. I mean. Yeah. 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 I can't, well, I can't think, really, of this kind of you know because endings as with ideology, are so often the imaginary resolution of real contradictions. Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of real contradictions exist, but kind of these romantic fictions resolve them kind of through romance or whatever. I, I actually don't think that there are those kinds of resolutions or that those kinds of resolutions are prevalent in mm. British culture. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure they exist yeah. somewhere and someone will write in and tell us, oh, Robert, you idiot, you haven't thought of this. <laughs> so I think, you know, the peculiar inflection in the film is very interesting, yeah, that you see you know, the young man who knows about mechanics, who's wise to contracts, who counts his money, yeah, who is a man of the people and knows how to lead them because he understands people, as opposed to these dissolute gamblers who make fun of people working because, you know, working is so old-fashioned in the 20th century, right? I think that's one of the jokes that they make. Yeah, yeah. And, what, and when you think about the background to this film, because this is Cuba in 1955, and that's kind of, you know, the early days of the Cuban Revolution. Well, I think the, yeah, the, I think the revolution was won in '59, something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but the you know guerrilla action yeah, started yeah, yeah. in '53. So I'm not saying that's what this film is about, but I think it's an interesting background to this film and the class issues you see in the film is yes. that you know the revolution to presumably overthrow the the class of people that the original landowner was from, and also potentially overthrow the class of person that the peasant becomes as a as a nouveau riche person i, I don't know but it, but the the way the, all this kind of discussion of the way that the poor are being treated and the way the, the workers are being treated yes is is very interesting in the context of what's going on politically yes absolutely what did you think of the nightclub and the nightclub singer and what that represents i love the fact that the, the you know the nightclub was so close to the to the house and you'd see the rich people sitting there just getting annoyed at all the noise from the nightclub it was interesting to compare to her man which again set in havana that we watched recently and, and uh, also you know had lots of bar fights in a in a havana nightclub i thought what was interesting was the harking to abandon yeah this, you know that idea of being possessed and abandoning yourself and the way that it's all sexualized i mean that nightclub singer's underwear yes. is like so fetishized. Actually, I must put a picture of that. You know, because it's like <laughs> a spider web in her crotch. Right? Yeah. Did you notice? I mean, it was yes. really quite remarkable and quite explicit. But what I liked also was the sexual frankness. Jorge Mistral is clearly having an affair with her and their friends, you know, and then they break up because he's married and they decide to open the bottle and drink to a friendship rather than a love affair. Like all those kinds of things were quite lovely, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As as you know, the potentialities of 
a married couple is having affairs with everybody else. There's that moment where the two women are in bed where you, you think, what's going on here? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of something that you never think of. Mm, mm. The scene after they're married where he, he says, I, I don't like to wear pajama tops and then mm. gets into bed and, and uh, she throws him out of bed and it's very explicitly she's refusing sex so it's okay for him to go out and, yeah. and sow his oats elsewhere yeah. now let's talk about the gender patriarchal stuff because i think contemporary british audiences certainly that is what will what they'll find most disturbing i think what's interesting early in the film is the the guy the, the peasant says you know you you can you can't buy women and you can't buy land he's, mm. he's very clear that women are not property but then he for the rest of the film proceeds to kind of treat the woman as his property so he's a little bit of a hypocrite it's it's kind of you know she's the the gift of the of the landowner is he going to allow her to marry the peasant or not i mean it's very very much that she's seen as property despite the film telling you that women are not property do you think the film was influenced at all by um what's that john ford film with uh, john wayne and maureen o'hara set in Ireland, where With the quiet man. I guess yeah, there is an element of that. I mean, it, yeah, it it is the classic sort of taming of the shrew type yes. of um, dynamic between the two of them. I don't think he is ever physically violent to her. I think the the only fight she has is with another woman. Yeah, but though there is a scene where he makes her walk home. Yeah, and he's thrashing his whip. Yes. Yeah. And he, she throws him a shoe or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is quite a violent image. It is. Man but, with a but whip he, on a horse. Yeah, but compared to, I'm thinking of like Marcello Mastroianni and Sofia Loren films, you know, where it would be a rare film that doesn't include Marcello Mastroianni slapping Sofia Loren, you know, sure. and, and it's just seen as normal. It, that doesn't happen in this film. You know, the only the only slapping happens between the two women. That's true. And you see that in a lot of Hollywood films of the 1930s. Yeah, yeah. yeah Man's Castle and the Public Enemy and so on. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the attitude towards the woman is not great. It wasn't as problematic as a lot of, a lot of Hollywood films of the era. I think. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, 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 for me, that was maybe like, you know, the major thing that within this progressive film a relatively progressive film is a thing that remains so much of its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely dated in those attitudes, but it, it, you know, compared to how a, a Latin American film dealing with these themes might have been of, yeah. of the era, it's it's quite mild, I think. It's not the worst offender. No, no. Now, I want to ask you about the stars because obviously I know them, and. You've now seen Miroslava elsewhere. She was a streetwalker. Street yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And also, she is in Buñuel's The Criminal Life of Archivaldo de la Cruz. What did you think of her? And what did you think of the way that she's presented? You say she's kind of presented as a star, isn't she? She has all these amazing frocks. And uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's very much a star performance. Yeah. And the frocks are all white. And, you know. Yeah, and yeah. She's got that uh, bit in the horse, which is a, a bit of sexual liberation as well, right? Because she's afraid of horses and then she's forced on the horse and, you know, learns how to ride freely. 
such a metaphor for sex, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, then any any lead lead actor like the lead actress who's introducing the credits with just one name, you know, this is <laughs> this is a diva. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just Miroslava. You know? That's right. Uh, <laughs> and what did you think of Jorge Mistral? Um, yeah, he's good. I mean, he, he's he's uh, it, it, again it, 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 the performance reminded me of of you know Mastroianni or or Omar Sharif that kind of thing. You know, yeah. he's he's always sweating. He takes his shirt off. You know, yeah. he's, he's kind of um, yeah, he's this son of the soil. And, yeah. um, it's very intriguing, and I think he's very beautiful. He's got a very beautiful face, though. Though it's already on the wane, right? Like. His films of 10 years early, earlier, he's really beautiful. Uh, and you could see that he's thickened and so on. But he still gets these enormous close-ups in conjunction with close-ups of her and so on. And it, they're very powerful, I think, actually. It's kind of like a, a star vehicle uh, for you know, an international, transnational, Hispanic audience, you know, which is very, very effective. Uh, let's put it that way. A, kind of a great example of that kind of cinema. And I think actually something that, you know, is, is, would be instructive to a non, you know, Hispanic audience to see, really, because it, it tells us a lot about that, that cinema. I, th I think that's right. I, th I think as you say, seeing popular cinema from those different cultures and, and something that clearly was a pretty high budget production, you know, if you look at the, what you know, bringing in two, two stars from elsewhere and the, you know the, the 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 sets or the nightclub scenes with all these people, all this location work. I mean, this is not this is not a shoestring production, and it helps that, as often that this is, is quite a nice restoration. So yes, and it raises a lot of interesting questions because the very last credit in the film says so a Mexican-Cuban co-production filmed entirely in Cuba. You know, and it makes you wonder, like, did Cuba have studios? What kind of studios? Who ran them? What were they like? Right, like you, you get a sense of like a, a national infrastructure. There's also credit at the beginning saying something like supported by the you know Cuban I, I can't remember what it was. It was like the Cuban National Film Industry Association yeah, yeah. or something. So you know clearly there is an infrastructure yeah. there, and there is I guess government funding. Um, interestingly, you know government funding to make this film, which is I think slightly subversive. In terms of its attitude towards the kind of what would have then been the ruling class of Cuba, although not for much longer. Mm. As a last addendum, really, I want to just mention that you know, for someone who is interested in you know a Spanish-speaking cinema and who knows a little bit about it, such as myself, <laughs> <laughs> the film has other overtones because the you know the, the both stars in the film committed suicide yeah. oh really yeah so miroslava quite young i think uh, this film is 1953 is it um, no 55 55 and miroslava died in 56 oh, right? wow. so it's one of her last films uh ostensibly she committed suicide uh and her body was found with a picture of Luis Miguel Dominguin, the famous bullfighter, the father of Miguel uh, Bosé, who married Lucia Bosé, yeah, the star of the Antonioni films, right, Chronica right. de un Amore, and so on. And who, you know, even had a more famous love affair with Ava Gardner. Ostensibly, he was the reason Ava Gardner moved to Spain. 
Now, legend has it, you know, that that's how she died. Um, then wicked tongues, such as Katie Jurado says, it wasn't Luis Miguel Dominguez at all. It was Cantinflas, which the, the Mexican comic. Uh, and then, of course, other people say, no, she was killed in an airplane and having an affair with this industrialist and really her body was just shifted onto this so that it wouldn't cause a scandal. Um, but in any case, you know, this very beautiful woman with a tragic life, a, you know, a, a very young refugee from the Nazi atrocities in Europe. Her father was Jewish. You know, I mean, she was adopted, but her adopted father was Jewish, so they had to leave, dying so beautiful and so young. And Jorge Mistral also, I mean, he, he committed suicide in 1972, so he was already, you know, middle-aged when he committed suicide, but still kind of, you know, uh, someone so beautiful and then kind of such a tragic ending. So the film is imbued with, you know, the, the, the ghostly kind of after effects of like, you know, these two beautiful people having such a tragic ending. Well, I'm just uh, very glad uh, we saw it. Uh, so thank you to movie. It's uh, Stronger Than Love, Más Fuerte uh, Que El Amor. Uh, Tulio De Micheli is, uh, is the director. Uh, and it's playing under the rubric of Spectacle Every Day, the many seasons of Mexican popular cinema. So thank you very much for listening. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.